I always think about Mary on Christmas Eve. There's nothing theologically necessary about that, but I just find myself going back to her burdens, her um, journey, her promises that were made to her, her, um, her joy and, and her carrying of the Christ on Christmas Eve. And so I want to read from Luke chapter 1, which is her encounter with the angel as he tells her about this Christ that she is carrying. Let's read a few verses in chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Last, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago now, I got a phone call from uh, one of my best friends, Eric. And uh, Eric and I have, have known each other for many years. We went to college together. We went to seminary together. He is a pastor in the Omaha, Nebraska area, and we even do a podcast. Some of you listen to that together. And he was calling me in his excitement and to tell me the news of his engagement to Leah. And so his new fiance was telling me about his joy and the story of their um, you know, proposal. And, and then he asked me, would you be willing to officiate the wedding? which is coming up here in April. And of course, I accepted on the spot and there was great joy just at the moment for my good friend, Eric. But that joy is complicated. It's complicated because maybe some of you know, Eric has been married before and he lost his wife to cancer over a year ago now. Lost, their, lost her and then left in her wake the, the three kids that they had at the time, 10 and under. And so they've been going through this season of, of loss, and yet he found someone else, and God's goodness, there is great joy. But that joy, even for myself and for my wife, Becca, who we know them, we knew both of them, we love them, it's complicated. The joy 
of the first wedding that I was a part of with him where I was a groomsman and not the officiant, standing by his side and giving support, and then now to stand in front and to help them into this new journey that they're going on. There is joy, and the joy should never be diminished because the joy is real and the joy is good, but the joy is complicated. I got that phrase actually from Eric himself because a couple of days later, after we spoke, he wrote an article entitled, No Joy Uncomplicated. And he talked about in that writing that even in the moments when he is proposing to his new fiance, and even in the joy of that, and the joy is real, as they looked at the ring together and they took pictures and they drove to different places and they met with family, the joy was real. But even he said in that moment, for both of them having been married before and both of their marriages ending in tragedy, that that joy was not uncomplicated. It was impossible to escape some of that complication and not think about the loss that they'd experienced and not think about the loss of their kids. Now that's six total, three from each family, who will now be adjusting to a new, new reality, and the kids are excited. There's joy. The joy is complicated. As I've said, none of those things takes away from joy because joy should be something that we experience, something that we're called to experience, something that we're even commanded in the Scripture to experience, a call to joy. We just sang about the joy of Mary and this child that's born to her. Joy should never be diminished by complication, but neither should the complication be hidden away in the joy. Because what's true for Eric is not just true for him, it's true for all of us. There is no joy that is uncomplicated for us. We know this to be true. The most beautiful sunset you've ever seen can be accompanied with an intense argument with someone that you love. The most proud you've ever been of your children <laughs> can uh, dissolve and you can be reminded of the things that drive you crazy about them, right? It's not straightforward. And the most Close and enduring friendships can cause pain to us in a moment. And the best Christmases can sometimes be clouded with memories and painful, painful things that go through our heads. No joy is uncomplicated, or to put it in the positive way, every joy is complicated. I think about that as Mary expresses her faith when given this great burden, this great responsibility of carrying the Christ child. And Mary is going towards joy. The next section is called the Magnificat. It is her expression of her joy. I exalt the Lord, what He has done. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. There is great joy for Mary. But that joy is complicated. And even as she hears this news, you can see what some of the complications are. What complicates this joy for her? First, she has the complication of anxiety. 
These are the things that she fears. In verse 29, that's her first response. But she was greatly troubled, it says, at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Her joy was complicated by her anxiety. Afraid at the coming of the supernatural, at an angel as any of us would be. The anxiety of what this news will mean for her and for her life. Anxiety of having to explain herself to her betrothed. The anxiety of what people will now think or assume or might ridicule her for. The fears perhaps of not living up to this great burden of responsibility that the Lord has said you're favored with. This is a gift, but it was also an anxiety producing burden. It's not only complicated by her anxiety, the things that she fears, it's complicated by mystery. It's the things that she doesn't understand. In verse 34, she says to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Then the angel gives her an answer. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So there's your explanation. <laughs> that solves it, right? Mary, with faced with this news, she says the first thing that many of us say when we come to the Christian faith and we wonder, the Immaculate Conception, what is that? What does it mean? What is, how do we understand it? And she was called into that mystery and called to walk this path even though she didn't understand it. Complicated by anxiety, complicated by mystery, and complicated also by tragedy. Not just the things that she fears that she doesn't understand, but the things that she can't fix. This story is the, the culmination of a theme in the Scriptures of the barren and waiting woman. There's so many stories in the Scripture about those who longed for the joy of a child and waiting for it. And in those cases where we're given those women, their prayers are answered and they receive these children. And yet, that joy is complicated in every single case I can think of in the Scripture. You think about Hannah praying and waiting for a son. She's answered. She's given the son, but then the son is given up to the temple, right, to become part of the priesthood. You think about even Elizabeth, her cousin, who's mentioned here, the one who was called barren. She, her womb is opened up and she receives a child, and yet this child is going to be John the Baptist. He's going to live in the wilderness. He's going to eat locusts and wild honey. He's going to be beheaded for the sake of the gospel. And Mary, chief among them, will see her son crucified. She will live to see him suffer, spat upon, ridiculed. And there are things that are going to happen in her lifetime that she probably could not imagine, but yet when she sings the Magnificat in the next chapter, when she says things about how the mighty are going to be brought down and the lowly raised up, and all these things are going to happen. That's going to happen through tragedy for her. So she has joy, but the joy is always complicated. 
These are the types of things that we bring when we come on a Christmas night, when we are feeling at least commercial pressure to feel joy. And many of us are feeling joy, but the joy is just never, never uncomplicated, is it? There's something else missing. There's something else that would make it even more full. There's anxieties. There are mysteries, things that we fear and things that we don't understand. And there are tragedies, things that we can't control or fix. And yet we are told, have joy. Rejoice in this Christ. And so we can. And how is that possible? How is it possible to rejoice when it is so complicated? Well, if Mary is our model, and I think that she is, she has to be, we see in her response a threefold response to the angel and to, over the course of her life where she shows us what it means. She responds first with obedience in verse 30. It's so dark in here. <laughs> 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. That response of obedience and that obedience then leads her, as I've said, to the next chapter of worship. My soul magnifies the Lord. Obedience, even in the lack of, even with the presence of fear and the lack of understanding and the certainty of tragedy. Obedience that leads to worship and then that leads to hope in her song. She sings not just about how blessed she is, which is true, but also about what this will mean, that the mighty will be brought down, that the humble will be exalted, that the hungry will be filled. And she pictures a time when joy will be uncomplicated. Seeing Mary as a model means that we have the calling tonight as we think about all of our joys and all of the complications that come with those joys to ask ourselves, what is it that God is calling me to right now? It may not be, it certainly will not be the full picture. It is not everything. It will always be complicated this side of heaven. But what is God calling me to? What obedience? What thing is He leading me into? You are allowed to take joy in that even if you don't have all the answers to what those, that might mean. It's a good to ask ourselves how is God's goodness and His mercy and all the things that God is, how is He equipping me for this season? To worship, in other words, to give His name praise even though we don't fully understand and maybe we're a little afraid. Worship, obedience, and then, of course, to live in hope, as Mary instructs us. To envision a world where joy is uncomplicated. Where there is no joy that is complicated. Because that is the promise, and it's only found in Christ. If you don't have Christ, then... There really is no reason to believe that things will get better. But if you have Christ, then there is every reason to believe that it will. 
Because in Christ, these things are promised. These world-changing, leveling things are brought to bear because of this child. And when you hope in Him, you hope also in a future where every joy is full because He secured it. How did He secure it? He secured it through the story of redemption which begins here. It begins with a child in a manger. God made flesh. And then it continues through an obedient life and it continues in a teaching ministry and a healing ministry and it continues in a sacrificial death and it continues in a resurrection defeating death and it continues in an ascension raising Christ above every earthly power and it continues in a return of Christ in the second coming and then there will be every joy uncomplicated but it begins here tonight with this child and so we come to him like Mary with obedience like the wise men are going to do and the shepherds bowing before him giving him obedience and worship and then seeing in him the hope of a world full of joy Let's pray.